0: First, I wanna say as you're being a student here, I hope you understand the amazing privilege it is to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, at 16, when I started following Jesus for myself, I prayed that God would send me to the darkest places and uh, I had a craving to to follow what the scriptures say and when I'd r- read a passage of scripture and I didn't see our church doing it, I'd in my senior high small groups that I grew up in, um, I'd say like why why don't we do this? And my youth leader, uh, Aaron Cooper, would say, "Why don't you?" (laughs) He wouldn't. He wouldn't let me say. You know, the church isn't doing. He said, "Well, why don't you do it? You can be an example to other people." I always just crave to see the scriptures lived out in people's lives, and uh, so experiencing what you have and what I have experienced here, it's amazing to have that to be with like-minded people who desire to risk it all to follow Jesus, to have a craving to live out the scriptures, that's an amazing thing. It's difficult to live in a culture where uh, most people don't do that, but it's amazing when they see you doing that. So as President Ballard uh, briefly mentioned, um, we had went to Word of Life, my wife and I, in New York. Uh, We got married, moved to Michigan, where I was from initially, I was praying about where God would have us to go for schooling because I knew he had called us in the ministry. Um, I just wanted some more training. I was looking in the Grand Rapids area, which is where I grew up, um, for tons of colleges there, Christian colleges. And um, it, was just, it was also expensive. I, just, I didn't want to go into debt to go to school. It was like, at the time, $40,000 a year, which was 10 years ago. I, don't, I can imagine what it is now. Um, and so as we were praying about it, that's when Tim Gruce reached out and said, hey, I'm part of this, I met him at Word of Life, I'm part of this new college in, in Vermont, and you ought to consider it. And I really wasn't all that interested because we had just moved from New York. And um, so he sent me a, a video by Landon Warren, which you haven't met him yet. He's a pastor and church planter in the region. He was describing how Vermont was one of the least church places in America and one of the most spiritually dark places. And When I started following Christ at 16, I prayed, that God would send me to the darkest places. I was expecting that to be Africa or Asia. My idea of missions from growing up is overseas. American's a Christian nation, right? Um, So I didn't know you can be a missionary in America. (laughs) And um, so I saw that and that really piqued our interest. And long story short, there's a, a list of things that we wrote down on the back of my prayer list that would keep us coming to Vermont and it all equated to finances, to money. Um, money to move there, money for schooling, a place to live, jobs, all that kind of stuff. And as we're praying through those things, God began to answer those prayers. Uh, I got accepted here, and then I got the work-study scholarship, so that took care of two of those. And the residence director position was going to provide housing, which is fantastic. That was in theory, you know. Um, And then a place to live in the fall, moving expenses, and we were working jobs at the time, and That's when Word of Life called right around that time. This happened in about a week's period where we got the residence director offer. And then Word of Life called and gave us the offer for the summertime. And then we went back and told NEBC, God wants us out there, we'll we'll do it. We packed up our stuff, moved it to a storage unit here in Bennington, um, not knowing if we'd have a place to live at the end of the summer, as President Ballard mentioned. And we went to Word of Life for the summer, praying every day that God would provide a place for us to live, but a, a dorms for the school. And he did that. So that's how um, we ended up out in Vermont. But we, we, as we were praying through those things, God clearly started opening this door for us to come out here. But to the, I don't wanna say the logical person, but to the logical person, the door really wasn't open that wide <laughs> because we had no place to live after the summertime was over. So to the common person, the logical person, the door was clearly not that wide open, but it required a little bit of a step of faith. And sometimes open doors require require a step of faith. And then in uh, 2015, as we were, I was a student here, and and just serving him in different capacities uh, in different churches, uh, I got an offer from two different churches at the same time for the same position to be the assistant pastor. One was in Granville, New York, about an hour from here, and one was in Pownal. And as we were praying about it, and one church was thriving and growing and dynamic, and the other church was directly the opposite. And um, that was one where the door wasn't particularly open either way. We had God clearly wanted us to make a choice, but that that door came down to a decision based on prayer, um, proximity, personality, and advice. Um, we spent time praying about it. My wife suggested taking the one that would be more challenging, which was Pownal, um, the one that wasn't growing and dynamic, and um, you know, 50 people, 150 people. <laughs> that was a difference. Uh, the thing that caught my attention about Pownal is that historically, um, when the area was being settled, they kind of generally settled by denominations Um, Congregationalists and Catholics kind of hung out in Bennington. Uh, Baptists were in Shaftesbury, Episcopals in Arlington, and those who generally did not believe in God moved to Pownall. Um, That's not everybody, but generally those who did not believe in God moved to Pownall. So that kind of caught our attention and, and, and also proximity. One was 10 minutes away, one was an hour away. So that door wasn't as clear. There was two choices, but it took a little bit of thinking, a little bit of, really just, I don't want to say common sense, because the other one wasn't as much of a common sense decision, but there was a little more steps involved in that, and there were two options that were both good. Um, And then the third one most recently, if you haven't caught any I'm gonna talk about open doors, um, was the call to start this new church in Petersburg. This one was a wide open door, like it couldn't get any more clear. And that happened for the, since I started in Pownell in 2015. I started praying for the surrounding towns because I, I wanted to be involved in church planting in some capacity. Um, I kind of accepted the, I don't want to say fate, but the fact that it, I, I thought I was just going to be pastoring our church, and I wanted to at least help start other churches in the surrounding towns. So I started uh, praying for other towns. Petersburg was one of them. Every Tuesday night, I would pray for Petersburg, and a couple years ago, I noticed this unused church building that was built in like the 1960s. And I looked into it at the time just to find out who owns it. I, I couldn't figure it out. And I kind of left it at that and just kept praying for several years. And then back in, in February, it was a Tuesday night, I was praying for Petersburg again. And, and God strongly brought this, this building to my attention again. Like I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. Um, so I sent an email to my prayer team that I have. And the next day, I went down, knocked on the... Uh, door of the house next to the building and asked if they knew who owned the building and they did so I got the number from them, I called them I, I had no plan besides to find out who owned the building and I said hey this might sound weird but I'm a pastor from Pownell and I'd really like to see this building used as a church again and to my shock they said so would we and I, I just sat on the phone in silence I was like I don't I told them I don't really know what else to say because I didn't <laughs> expect you to say that so they lived on the other side. They came right down, showed me the building, and and uh, as I was talking to him, sharing with him about our call to Vermont and church planting and all that, he said, it's interesting, last night I was also praying for God's will for this property and, and for our lives, and it's interesting that today you come knocking on my door. So long story short, God has provided the building for our use. He hasn't given it to us yet, um, but he's allowed us to use that building. So. Um, we also started a, a goal to raise $10,000 for it. We raised $15,000 in two weeks. Um, and all, a bunch of other things involved in that. But God has clearly opened the door uh, for this work to happen and I'm very excited about it. And the guy who owns a building, Jerry, he's a man who has, has faithfully shared the gospel in this community. He knows a lot of people, he has a lot of relationships and I'm just excited Um, for that. Thank you for those of you here who have already been helping out with this. Um, I don't have any huge plan, just kind of planning as God opens the doors, but I do have some long-term, very large plans over the next 10 years to reach 3,000 people, if you want to hear about that later, but um, because that could take a while. So in Acts chapter 6, we learn about some closed doors and some open doors that Paul experienced. Nothing is more frustrating than wanting to do something, but just not having it work out the way that you would like. Um, And not understanding, maybe it's it's me, maybe it's something else, maybe God's not in this at all. And the Apostle Paul here, they have an experience of of two pretty hard closed doors uh, that God gave to them. And we'll see that here in uh, chapter 6. I'm just going to read verses 6 through 10 to start. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mygia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed. Uh, and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father in heaven, we're thankful for your word and the power that's within it. We thank you that it's living and active and and sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that we can trust your scriptures. And we pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us in the depths of our hearts today, whatever our situations, in Jesus' name, amen. So it's strange that God would not allow Paul to preach the gospel in a certain region, right? Why would God not allow them to take the gospel to people who had not heard it? It's kind of strange. Does God not love those people? What's the deal here? So we see they were kept from, by the spirit from preaching in Asia, not our understanding of Asia, China, and the other uh, countries over there. That's not the Asia we're talking about. The Asia we're talking about is kind of like the modern day area of Turkey. I don't understand how Asia went from Turkey to the area of Southeast Asia now. I don't understand how that happened. Maybe Dr. Williams knows. I'm sure he does. Um, but anyways, so they were prevented from the spirit from preaching in Asia. This is, would have been the southwest portion of this region. And also kept from entering Bithynia, which was kind of in the north-northeast. So we come to places in life often where there's closed doors, where God just does, does not allow something to happen. Maybe it's not a bad thing that you're trying to do, but God just does not allow you to go through the door. One example for us, um, two years ago now, um, as, maybe it was two years, maybe three years already, um, but I felt the need to start some sort of youth outreach or youth program at our church. And uh, we got this fantastic youth room upstairs. Um, it's about the size of this whole room. Uh, it's got a ping pong table, uh, pool, you know, billiards, all that kind of stuff, really cool room. And um, I felt the need, like we gotta, gotta do something. And so I shared with a bunch of people in the community, they were excited about sending their kids who are not church people, and, and so we started it and no one showed up. <laughs> the first week, no one showed up really the second week. I mean, we had my family and um, my wife's sister and her kids, so it, that was really about it. And so after a couple of weeks, I was like, you know, this is, this is not working, this is a waste of time, and so as I was praying about it, I came to the realization that God didn't actually call me to start that. I felt that we, had, we should just do something because we didn't have any kids at our church. And he just did not open the door. It was a hard, closed door. And that was kind of upsetting because I, was, I figured it would be an easy thing, Sunday afternoons. And God just did not open that door. But interestingly, a little while later, within, I'd say, about a year of that, the amount of kids we had in our children's church almost tripled by nothing that I did, which didn't make any sense. A lot of the times that's how it works, and it doesn't make any sense. But God brought those people in, and so he opened a different door for us. So sometimes God God closes a door or prevents something in our lives for a couple reasons. One of them, maybe the timing is not right. Um, We don't know what's going on in the background. We don't know how God is working in people's hearts. And so the timing for us, we may think this is the right time, but God says, no, the person's not at the point where I want them to be. Or um, this isn't at the point where I want it to be. Or maybe your heart isn't at the place where I want it to be. I think that was the case uh, for me in that situation there. Or it could be that God's not opening the door yet because maybe you're not the one that he wants to use for that specific work. Um, there's some places that I'm praying that God starts a work in because I really don't think that I'm the one that God is going to use for that. Now, yeah, he can do anything, but um, it's okay to pray that God sends somebody else. So sometimes we might not be the right person, or we might not be ready yet. Our heart might not be at the place where he wants it to be. Now, at 16, when I started following Jesus, uh I was on a missions trip with our church. We, do a, we did a 400-mile bike trip every year. This is in the Midwest. Everything's flat. Um, and we would bike to an amusement park, and along the way, we would share the gospel with people. And uh, I wasn't living for Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home, but I just, I didn't, it just wasn't for me. And on this trip, um, at one point, God spoke to me, and after a devotional, they started singing the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Um, the world behind me, the cross before me. Though none go with me, I still will follow. And I kind of felt God say to me, like, you have to be all in for me, or not in at all. And I understand what being not in at all meant. And I didn't want that. So I said, well, I'll be all in. And um, so for all in for me, I was like, I want to immediately go and, and and just do things. And so as I was 16, I would pray every day, like, No joke, this is God. I'm ready, send me, send me to the darkest places. I'm ready at 16 years old. (laughs) And I was not ready for what God was going to lead me to. So sometimes the timing is not right. And I think that's whatever happened here that God prevented Paul and Timothy and Silas from entering these regions is, you know what, just the timing isn't right, as we'll see here in a few minutes. But instead, here's a different door that I'm going to open. Here's a different direction that you can go in. So instead, God opened the door for him, them to go to Macedonia, um, where we get Philippians, Thessalonica, uh, the Thessalonians, Thessalonica, those churches, or Paul ended up going to those regions instead and starting churches. And we see there's, this one's a pretty clear call, where he had a vision of a man calling out and saying, come and, and help us. And so it says, after Paul had seen the vision, they got ready to leave at once to leave for Macedonia. He's like, all right, God closed these doors. This one opened wide open. God is doing something there. So they went to Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, that area. And the cool thing that happened, because this is God's perfect timing, is lives were changed, a lot of lives. And this little section, this one chapter, there's some amazing things that happens. In verses 13 and 15, there's this, there's this demon-possessed slave girl going around and, and um, predicting people's futures. And they were, they were fou- she was following around Paul and, and the others and, and declaring that these are servants of the Most High God and telling you the way to be saved. And they're following Paul around and he, he got annoyed of her and he cast the, the demon out of her. But the problem was the people that owned her were making money off of her because of her ability to tell fortunes. And so for one, I skipped over one part. In verses 13 and 15, first Paul went to Philippi and uh, he found some women praying and he went and, and shared with them and, and they were converted. Lydia especially, a purple dealer, you know, she's, there was some money involved in that. Her and her household were saved and then soon after that, that's when this situation with the slave uh, girl happened. So that was an exciting. God opened these doors. People are getting saved. A girl's healed from this demon possession. And then all of a sudden, because of the financial loss, these people went and caused an uproar in the community and had Paul and Silas thrown into prison. Some open door. Thanks God. I could have done, gone to this other place and not experienced the pers- we just led these people to Christ. This girl who was, was demon-possessed was, was, was released from those bonds, and we get thrown in prison because of it. This is screwed up. God, the whole, we're being faithful here, and then you, you put us in prison. We end up in prison because of that. Well, sometimes God opens doors through the pain that we experience in our lives. And that's what happens here in verses 19 through 24, as we see they're thrown into prison, in verse 23 it says, After they had been severely flogged, stripped, and beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, And at once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourselves. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And it said the jailer took them, washed their wounds. His family was baptized. In verse 34, the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Now God opened the door for them to go to Macedonia to at first reach Lydia and, and her household and, and her family and then free the demon-possessed girl. But would this jailer have ever heard the name of Jesus if Paul and Silas were not in that prison cell? If they had not been beaten and flogged and were in there praising and worshiping the Lord? On top of that, the other prisoners who were listening to them. No one goes to prison after being beaten and flogged and sits there and worships the God that they serve. That would have been a very strange experience, even today. I mean, but just stuff just, just does not happen like that. But to have unbelieving people sit there and be like, what is happening here? This doesn't make any sense. And then an earthquake to happen in the midst of all this, that God showed up at the, really this very painful time in life with an earthquake, not to get them out of prison, but to release the jailer from the prison that he was in. Just amazing how God worked in that way. But would that have happened if Paul and Silas didn't first suffer and were put in a position of pain to share the message with the jailer? Now, I'm not going to lie. If that was me and those prison doors had been opened, I'd have probably ran. I mean, why, why would you stay? But they stayed, in the jailer and his family was saved because of that. Now, God didn't perma- permanently close the door to Bithynia and Myasia. He temporarily closed the door because on Paul's third missionary journey, that's when the church at Ephesus was established. And he went and preached and, and uh, saw some crazy stuff happen in Ephesus, riots that happened because of the transformation of the lives of people. But God, for whatever reason, his timing was different. He had people specifically in place through divine appointment and, and just, I think, natural circumstances that he knew that Paul and Silas were the only ones that were going to be able to minister to them, a region that had never heard the gospel. But then later he opened the door to this other region, and God worked powerfully there as well. So my, my question growing up and starting to follow Jesus was like, God, what's your will for my life? How, how can I, how do I know what decision to make? I mean, that's a hard choice. You know, and you guys are in school right now, and you have a lot of decisions to make. Is What's the right decision? How, when someone says, well, God told me, or I felt God telling me to do this or leading me to do this, like, that's great and all, but how did he tell you? Like, what did he say? How did you, how did you feel that God wanted you to do that? And you'll find there's not some miraculous answer behind it. The last time I preached here, I preached on a similar topic. Is if you're not daily following Jesus and trusting Him daily and seeking Him daily for your, your daily decisions and your daily needs, it's going to be very hard to see when God opens other doors. The Scripture tells us in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. But it doesn't just say, He will direct your paths. There were some preceding things that we had to do first. Trust in the Lord, for one, for your salvation, but also with your life. And then lean not in your own understanding. As as God called us to Vermont, He called us to these, these other things that He's allowing us to do. If I leaned on my worldly understanding of things, I never would have come to Vermont, I never would have went to Pownell, and I never would have set out on this work in Petersburg. Because logically, none of it makes any sense. According to my own understanding, none of it makes any sense. We have 30 people at our church in Pownell. Why would we start another church and we only have 30 people at our church? That doesn't make any sense. Why would I move to Vermont when we had a great community where we grew up, we had Decent jobs at the time, $9 an hour, that was a big pay at the time. And this was only in 2013, so I'm not that old. But 2013, we got $9 an hour. That was, minimum wage was like Mm -hmm. $7.50. Thanks, Ben. Uh, (laughs) So we had a great church family, all my family's in Michigan. Why would we leave that for a place that we were going to that we might not have a place to even live. We had people tell us that we were f- foolish. Well, why would you do that? Well, because as we are daily trusting the Lord, you know, he, he, he was guiding us in the decisions that we were making. As we had a list of things keeping us from mind, as we were praying through those things, He was answering those. And as He answered each one, He gave us more assurance that this is what He wanted us to do. Now, I've journaled this stuff for the last, since 2014, and I actually just typed it up last week. It took me like 20 hours. Um, But as I was recapping some of the stuff that I haven't thought about in forever, I could see like prayer requests I had previous weeks and then how God answered them later. And there's nothing more powerful than praying and seeing God answer your prayer requests. Whether it's a Big miraculous thing, or just, just a small thing that God had. Now, I prayed that God would send me to the darkest places at 16. He did not answer that immediately. <laughs> in fact, that took until and, uh, I moved here in 2014 to finally answer that. And then to Pownell, which was 2015, another year after that. So I started following Christ in 2010. It was five years later that God finally answered that initial prayer. But if you're not daily pursuing his purpose and plan in your lives, you're really, really going to have a hard time discovering what God's will for you is. So this part is basic, but do you spend time with Jesus on a regular basis? Daily would be great, but regular basis. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It doesn't have to be in the evening. Whatever time of day it works for us. For me, it's in the evening. I just cannot do mornings. It just does not work. Between just doesn't work Um, (laughs) when I when I would set the alarm the kids would always wake up earlier than the alarm I set and it was early and early I was like forget this I'm (laughs) they go to bed at night and we we do our quiet time at night but if you're are you spending time with Jesus on a regular basis do the scriptures whether a verse a day or a chapter a day um, more than that is a lot but Are you spending a meaningful time with him? Coming to a Bible college is not enough for your daily relationship with Jesus. You can come to four years here and your relationship with him might not change because if you don't invest in your personal relationship, you can hear all the Bible teaching in the world, but if it just goes to your mind and not to your heart, you might have just wasted four years. So a daily time with Jesus is important in the word, but also in prayer. You don't have to spend an hour praying. You don't have to spend thirty minutes praying, but a meaningful time in prayer where you are praying for yourself is very important. To pray for yourself, for God's guidance in your life, for direction, just for the day, for the decisions that you make, but also for your future. You might not know what your future. No one knows what your future is, but you don't. You might not have much plans in the next couple of years, but you want to know what they are. Just start praying, God. I don't know what your will is for the next couple of years, but I want to be faithful to you, so I pray that as I I seek you, you just begin to open the next doors in my life. So if you're faithfully seeking him and his word on a regular basis and in time with prayer, he will give you clarity. He will give you direction. The scripture tells us that his word is a lamp unto our fate and a light unto our path. Because this, this journey of following Jesus, it's not always, the decisions aren't always clear. And so the idea of walking, you think of a, like a lamp, an old-style lamp, not like a flashlight where you can see really far, but a lamp as you're, as you're walking and it's, and it's guiding your steps along the trail right in front of you. God's not giving you a huge uh, idea of what's ahead, but he's guiding you in, in the moment. And that's an important thing to understand. And at the end of your life, or even when God opens the next doors for you. As, as now as I sit here and share about how God has worked in our lives and opened doors for us, it seems like it's, it was really clear. But it really wasn't really clear at the time. It took a lot of praying. It took a lot of tears. It took a lot of heartache. Following Jesus in faith is terrifyingly exciting. It's terrifying because you might not know the next step. You might not know how you're going to pay your bills at times. You might not know what's ahead of you, but it's exciting because when you're following him in faith, he provides every single time. So the terror in the moment is worth it in the long run because it's exciting when he comes through. It's a terrifyingly exciting thing. And then now when I'm explaining this to you, now I can look back and see like, oh, God like guided me all over like this. All the doors were clear. Now, in the moment, it did not feel that way. It's a scary thing. And especially when people, here it's great because you're surrounded by people who love Jesus and, and want you to step out in faith. It's a little more challenging if you come from a, a family who, they might just be churchgoers, and spot the extent of that. Uh, they might not understand the whole idea of, why would you go to a Bible college? You can go do something else where you make, uh, get a degree that makes a lot of, of money. You can have a lot of money and be absolutely miserable. You can be successful in the eyes of the world and be absolutely miserable. But if you're broke in the world's eyes and following Jesus, you're richer than that person with all the money in the world. And the main verse that, that has... One of the main verses that God spoke to us from the beginning and has continued to speak to us is, is Matthew six thirty-three. And seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the concerns of the world, food, the passage is talking about food and clothing. Um, but for us, we need a shelter. Food, clothing, and shelter will be, will be taken care of. So you have to ask yourself the question, as you're following Jesus, as he calls you to step out in faith, do you believe what the scripture says, that he will take care of you if you're following him? Or... You want to take the safe route and say, well, it's not a very comfortable thing. It's not really part of my plan that I had for my life or that my family has. And so I really can't, I can't take that step because if I do, then what do my family think of me or, or what about my long-term financial security? Don't think that way. I don't like to keep referring back to myself, but God's, Powerful in how he's worked in our lives. and I could not imagine having the things that I do now. I thought my vows to my wife at our wedding was, you know, I promised the, the regular things, but <laughs> I don't promise you riches or wealth. In fact, we'll probably not really have anything nice, and we might live in poverty, but we're going to follow Jesus. That was my vow to my wife at our wedding day. And... I haven't lived up to that <laughs> because God has continually provided and we haven't lived in poverty. We, don't, we haven't lived in, in, in wealth, but God has always taken care of our needs. So would you rather come to the end of your life and say, no, I lived a good, safe life. I did good things. Or would you rather come to the end of your life and say, "You no, that was, a, that was a scary ride, but I saw God do great things. You can settle for good, or we can expect great. Because we serve a great God, a powerful God. He's not bound by our situation. He's not bound by our finances. He's not bound by our inability. He's not bound by anything. And if we will faithfully serve that God and trust that God to be who He says He is, He will not disappoint us. He won't fulfill the false obligations that we place on him, but he will be the God that he says that he is and that he's a faithful and trustworthy God. Lord, we thank you so much for our time together today. We thank you how you've worked throughout time to provide for the needs of those who follow after you. We think of the Apostle Paul and how you closed some doors for him, but you opened some other doors, and later you opened the other doors that you closed. Your timing is perfect timing. So let I pray for those in here who, who might be concerned about their future, who might not know what you want for them. Lord, I pray that they would just seek you today, that they would follow you daily, trusting in you, knowing that you will direct their paths according to what your scripture says. We thank you for these things.